Just put some ice on your bits and just <laughs> cool it down for just a minute. Ice on the bits is maybe another lesson. Yeah, <laughs> bring an ice pack. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Thoughts and Perspectives, a Swinger Lifestyle Podcast. We are Ben and Kay, a two-physician couple in the lifestyle and would like to share with you our thoughts and perspectives on related topics. We are physicians, but we are not your physicians. If you have any concerns about your personal or mental health, you should talk with your own doctors. This is an adult podcast and is not intended for people under the age of 18. Hello and welcome to Thoughts and Perspectives, episode 18, Lessons Learned. We're just freshly back from our April cruise and we're reflecting on some things. Yeah, April Bliss Cruise. Um, and so at various points on the cruise, we thought of great podcast ideas and we've jumbled them all together into a collection of topics that we're going to call Lessons Learned. Yep. Yeah, um, so these topics really have nothing to do each, with each other, but just general <laughs> things that we thought of. Yeah, we tried real hard to put it this into some sort of order that makes logical sense and pretty much failed to do so. So <laughs> here you go. Um, but no, we, we got off the, uh, the April Bliss cruise, um, fantastic cruise for us, um, and was pretty remarkable in the lack of problems that we had really in any way. Yeah, um, it was just so smooth. That was our kind of main reflection. We like looked back and we're like, why why did this cruise feel different it was very relaxing yeah why, why did this go so smoothly yeah um, and so we were just thinking back about kind of the things that we've been through and how we conceptualize things now that made things go as smooth as smoothly as they did you know last time we were on the cruise and things were happening for us and we we're like whoa things are happening so smoothly and like this night and this night and this whole cruise was like Every night was just smooth night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, things just happened. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a big part of it is we weren't afla- afraid to sleep in. Yeah, and we got plenty of sleep. Maybe <laughs> that was that was the thing. In any case, um, yeah, a good cruise. We uh, we ran into all kinds of different people. Some old friends and some new friends. Some old friends, some new friends. People just getting into the lifestyle. People who've been that we met, you know, on the first cruise two years ago. That were just getting into the lifestyle, and we ran into them again. And, we and they invited to, us to an orgy. They, yeah, they did yeah, invite us to an orgy. Day. That I guess we ended up uh, officiating, <laughs> moderating for the first time. So that was some uh, some growth for us is officiating our first orgy. I, guess. I was surprised as how comfortable I was with that orgy. I remember my first orgy experience not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And this orgy experience, I was like, oh, this is great. I don't know how many couples we had. A lot. A lot. A yeah. lot. Yeah, I didn't I didn't stop to count, but... <laughs> yeah, more than you can easily yeah. count. And so, to get to our topics, lessons learned. What have we learned about people considering the lifestyle? You know, I, I feel like... Uh, what's interesting is we've been bumping on these couples on the cruise that just buy the cruise as their first lifestyle experience. Which is madness. Yeah. Yeah, we met one couple last cruise and one couple this cruise where they their first lifestyle experience was, was getting on the boat. Yeah, just jumping to the just, deep end. Yeah, just jumping right into the fire. <laughs> um, you know, and we, we had over a, a decade of experience kind of on and off before we got on the first our first Bliss cruise. And for us, the experience was was shocking, right? Yeah, it was just wild, right? Yeah, it 
totally blew us out of the and water. And we were like, sign us up for more. Where do we go to sign up? I know, right? And <laughs> we bought pretty much every cruise from then on. But I, I can't imagine having no lifestyle experience and then just walking right on the boat. <laughs> That's crazy. Over 3,000 of, you know, swingers just, you know. Yeah, enjoy three, yourself. Three thousand individuals on this cruise. On our cruise, it was three thousand couples, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah right maybe. after COVID. Yeah, that that first cruise definitely was a blast. Yeah, well, I mean, they were all good, but that first one certainly was just crazy. Yeah, the, crazy. The wild factor was turned on. Um, and I remember after that first cruise, like my libido was shot for like two months after getting off the boat. And this time, your libido is fine. It's fantastic. It's amazing. <laughs> What did you do on a cruise? Did you I, get laid at all? I, I might have. <laughs> Maybe. I was there. Thoroughly. Yeah, you you, you paced yourself, I think. Uh, yeah, pacing pacing is important. Lesson learned. Pace yes. yourself. Pace yourself. That relates to both like the number of encounters and also the time between encounters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just because you get invited and, you know, you have an offer, it doesn't mean you need to jump on it like... 30 minutes later. <laughs> yeah, or just because you have an encounter and you're still super aroused doesn't mean like, you know, you need to go back to your cabin with your wife who's crawling all over you. You know, just take it, take a break, <laughs> take a minute for yourself, hydrate. Tell, tell your wife to chill for a second. Yeah, tell her to just, woman, chill. <laughs> it is hard to do. Yeah. You yeah. get very aroused. I know, it's crazy. You know, the... The amount of stimulus. Yeah, and when I go back with you to the cabin, I am the most aroused. <laughs> Calm down. (laughs) It's a tough request for a swinger wife. Just put some ice on your bits and just (laughs) cool it down for just a minute. Ice on the bits is maybe another lesson. Yeah, (laughs) bring an ice pack. (laughs) There will be some swelling. (laughs) There will be. Okay, um, so to get back to our first topic. (laughs) um, What have we learned about people who should or could be considering the lifestyle? And so we, we've seen, you know, we ran into, like I said before, a variety of couples who were newly entering the lifestyle on the Bliss Cruise. And, they, you know, every, everybody's different. And these couples were different. And they were certainly different in how they were honest with themselves and honest with their partners about their approach to things uh, coming into the lifestyle. And so my thought about that was if you're if you're entering into the lifestyle, you really need to be in a situation where you're really able to see things from your partner's perspective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah inability to see thing from see things from someone else's perspective and particularly your partner's perspectives is a big problem. You know, if if you're only seeing things from your own perspective and you don't understand how they kind of see see the world going into things or Maybe if you don't ask enough questions to figure out how they feel about it, you're going to have a problem. Yeah. I think that there is the couples that are securely together are the most attractive. Yeah. And they progress in lifestyle faster because they kind of go with each other's comfort. Yeah. And I think a, a big problem that people run into into the lifestyle is feeling unsecure for one reason mm-hmm. or another. And those secure couples, you know, they, they have the security to know that pretty much no matter what happens, it's not going to have a huge impact on their on yeah. their relationship. And as a part of that, it goes back to my first point, which is if you don't understand how your partner sees the world, then you're going to end up in a situation where something happens that you don't like and you're going to have a lot of insecurities and worries. And that's 
a lot of that's going to be stemming from the fact that you don't see the see things the way your partner does and maybe to your partner it's really not that impactful and there will be points in your you know in the encounters right that something happened and you need to communicate hey uh, i'm uncomfortable right and mm-hmm. you need to be able to know that your your partner will hear you no matter what like even if they can't see it in the moment like they can't see what happened they can't see why you're reacting the way to like the the fact that you are able to do that. I think the couple that communicates with each other, those are the couples that are successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for the second point of that, we, we want to talk about enriching versus fixing a relationship by entering a lifestyle. We don't, we haven't really ran into anyone at least who told us that they came into the lifestyle because they were having relationship problems that they thought it would fix. That's, I think, um, a lot of it you read about. Yeah, like, so we, we read that on Reddit a lot, like, oh, we're having X or Y problem in our relationship, and we're thinking about maybe opening things up. Yeah, like, my partner doesn't meet my needs, and the, that's the reason why we want to consider lifestyle. So uh, I, I hate to say it, but I kind of, I think I developed a little radar for that. You know, like, yeah. I steer away. Like, I want a couple that is really connected that's really secure they are kind of at that level of communication where they're really comfortable with each other when you see that that's really attractive actually yeah and you know our perspective on the lifestyle is we have a a pretty good relationship and we see it as uh, something that enriches our relationship that we do together as a couple team sport team sport right which is why (laughs) which is why we're more of like a, a same room sort of situation is because this is an activity that we do together kind of as a couple as opposed to doing the hall pass thing which is great if you if you like that by by all means proceed um but for for us it's like you know kind of loses the whole point of it for us which is to have fun doing crazy stuff as a couple you know i can see it, it being like uh, hot for a couple to do whole pass and come back to each other and like talk about what happened, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and we certainly met couples who who that's their whole thing is they go off and they do their hall pass thing and then they come back together and they talk about the adventure they had and that's the thing that they enjoy, which is fantastic for them. That's uh yeah, that that totally is a route to also enrich your relationship, but mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's what yeah. does it for you. And they're, and they're both getting what they kind of want out of the situation and they're both doing it as a couple and they're both enjoying having their their partner go off and. and and do these things. Yeah. I think it's just real more of a, a group team sport. Okay. Uh, moving on to topic two or uh, line item two. I'm not sure how to, <laughs> how to divide this, but um, what have we learned about communication? Um, I have learned that I think there is no substitution for experience mm-hmm. because you think you are going to ask the right questions ahead of time. Like, hey, what happens if I hold someone's hand what happens if um i communicate with them what happens if we have a desire for a second encounter things like that but you can't ask all the questions ahead of time because you can't predict every single scenario that might happen yeah there, there will always be a novel scenario um and with that novel scenario there's always a chance that your partner be, might be a little skittish about about what's happening and you can't really predict their response because you can't predict yeah it's never happened before and there's no way you're going to be able to predict someone's response to something that has never happened before like even if you have you know the boundaries um ahead of time you know like we'll say okay we're gonna do same same space 
like swap, but you might get, you know, into an unlit area where your partner yeah, can't and, make eye, eye contact with yeah, you. Yeah, and what, what does same space even mean, right? Yeah. You might be in a gymnasium, you know, and that's, <laughs> you know, literally the same space, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of variability, so you really you don't learn those lessons until you, you end up in those situations. And the more of those situations you have, the more you kind of can predict how, you know, your partner is going to feel about that situation. Yeah, every time you you jump into a new experience, whether it's an orgy or, you know, uh, a different type of play, mm-hmm. uh, a new couple requests like, hey, this thing turns me on. Could you do that for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and your partner might say, oh, that's, that's a special thing you and I do. Yeah, but you don't find that out until after. Right. <laughs> after you've, you've committed to doing that. And so um, then you find out later that, that, that it's an issue. That's, that was the interesting part about this cruise that we didn't have anything to like debrief about. There wasn't yeah. a single thing that came up. Uh, and I don't know if it's because we had enough experience at this point. Well, we did debrief, right? Like we debriefed after yeah. each encounter, which I, which I also think is a, is a good tip or a lesson learned is you should always debrief after the encounter. And How I, did they go for you? What did you yeah. like, not like? Yeah. Did you have any thoughts about that? Did anything bother you? You know, all that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a big one about communication is ability to be vulnerable with your partner. Mm-hmm. And that that goes into like, let's say you're having conversation and one partner says, well, you know, you have nothing to be worried about. That's not how things happen. Just, you know, kind of don't worry about it and kind of... So your partner's away. lying to you? No. No. Oh. <laughs> your partner's just seeing, you know, like from, from their perspective, perspective but let's say they kind of are reacting in like a dismissive way mm-hmm. and you like might pull it together wife not yeah. a big deal <laughs> exactly yeah like that <laughs> but basically you know that will feel very dismissive right mm-hmm. and then your ability to be vulnerable then kind of goes away you shut down right like you don't want to say oh yeah it's true i did overreact let me just like take everything and try to deal with it on my own, whatever. Or you could be, if if I have a hang up, you know, you usually will say something like, you know what, we can, we can just pause the lifestyle thing. We, we, we can stop communicating. We can do this. What, what will be the most comfortable thing that will, you know, that will make you feel more, not in control, but like more in a space where you're kind of feeling secure, right? Mm-hmm. And usually I say, no, I don't, I don't want to pause lifestyle. <laughs> That's not yeah, what no, I, not that. Not that. I just basically threaten you with pausing the lifestyle and you change your tune. <laughs> well, that's not how it comes off. It comes off oh, as very supportive. Right. <laughs> You're very good. But I do that in a supportive way. <laughs> exactly. In the moment, it sounds very, uh, very reassuring. Oh, that's good. Let's just say that. <laughs> so, so threaten, but in a reassuring way. <laughs> Well, it's let's just say the offer is on the table, and I'm like, that's not the offer I want. (laughs) (laughs) No thanks. Uh, What I want is this and that. So it just makes me feel like, hey, I can just be vulnerable about whatever emotion. Same thing, I think for you. I try to do that too, Mm -hmm. but I usually detect it like from your nonverbal language. Mm -hmm. I'm like, something's bothering husband. And like I can tell by the, by your body language, and usually you kind of take your time 
to like process things and then mm-hmm. you're like okay here's what bothers me mm-hmm. so i think that for me just that vulnerable space is actually just not pushing and waiting for you to tell me mm-hmm. and as i'm like that's a hard thing for me to do because i'm like what's wrong what's wrong no I, I think most people are like that right they want to get to the they see their partners bothered by something and they want to get to the root of the issue yeah like let, you know let me fix it mm-hmm. and sometimes for you it's like just a little bit of space and just like hey this is this is what what needs to happen maybe some coffee some ciders and then <laughs> that's true too we can sort it out some food some food yeah some sleep yep so right. feed you know make sure your partner is fed and well caffeinated if needed you know, liquored up <laughs> before you have this conversation. Um, what have we learned about boundaries, comfort, and preferences? Um, at first, I would say when I thought about boundaries and lifestyle, I thought about play style. Mm-hmm. Like, are you a soft couple, full swap, um, hall pass, all of that. Yeah. And that, as, as time went on, I realized actually for myself, I think the emotional boundary is what I need to be a lot more kind of aware of. And perhaps it is tied to the play style, but like the amount of connection and being comfortable that your partner, you know, will, will have potentially some sort of emotional connection because that actually enriches the swap in my mind. Mm-hmm. If we get to know the couple and the couple is friendly and we could actually mm-hmm. be friends with, yeah, and I think that transitioning from our previous kind of play style in the club environment, where mm-hmm. usually we would meet the couple and probably never see them again, or you know, never play with them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, mean, I think historically we've been kind of—I uh, don't know if "distant" is the right word, but didn't establish a lot of um, lifestyle friendships. Yeah, that was new for us. Yeah, right? that's kind of new territory for us, and yeah, something that we, that we had to like we navigate. had to work through uh-huh. and, and decide. To what degree do we want to uh, establish these closer interpersonal relationships? And, you know, other people are different where they start off with like these deep, these deep friendships before they even decide to do anything. Yeah, they might have easier time with emotional boundary, right? Mm-hmm. They might not mind a really good emotional connection. Nothing happens. There's a lot of conversations through text mm-hmm. and the physical boundary is like a lot more difficult to navigate. Right. Yeah, it's, we're like vice versa. The opposite of that. Yeah, we're, we're as usual doing things backwards. backwards. <laughs> That's just how it is. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think we want to talk about kind of the typical progression um, that people go through, at least in terms of, of physical uh, boundaries, kind of starting off with uh, parallel play, then moving on to kind of a soft swap scenario, and then a full swap scenario, and then on to uh, allowing hall passes as being kind of the general progression. Um, I'm not sure what else I wanted to add to that. Have we ever done a soft swap? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we met some people who were new to the lifestyle. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah. And we were a little bit hesitant to even even do, uh, do that because that's a little outside of our... Yeah, in my mind, it's not really a soft swap. It's like, uh, it's like introduction to lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, subscribe to our intro course. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, and yeah, I was with uh, with someone who had never done anything in the lifestyle before, and they kind of wanted to take it slow and kind of see how they felt about the situation, and apparently they enjoyed it, so. Yeah, 
So how, um, how would you say that we communicate like online? There's a lot mm-hmm. of posts about it, yeah. right? And like how, how, how much communication is okay one-to-one? Uh, should everything be in a group? And a lot of people will say, well, everything should be in the group. And then the mm-hmm. communication was taken off the group and that kind of violated the boundaries, right? Yeah. So time and time again, um, particularly on Reddit, you see this thing where the spouse of one couple is talking to the spouse of the other couple directly. And they're saying a lot of things, doing a lot of things, sending a lot of pictures back and forth. And that that causes a lot of problems um, within the couple. And, we, you know, we see that a lot. And I think that the typical recommendation is to keep everything within a group chat so that everybody who's party to that interaction can see all the stuff that's kind of going back and forth that's not how we usually do it i feel like what we usually do is is you're our primary communicator Mm -hmm. and then whatever you send you usually like run by me you're like hey Mm -hmm. i'm gonna send this to so-and-so what do you think yeah well everything is in kind of a group scenario i mean you have access to every communication yes if i had time i could review it sometimes i do yeah but so it's just laziness on your part (laughs) it is true no i just can't keep up with everything i just feel like you're much better at like social media and all of the communications you're contrary to what you know you're about better multi multitasker they say women multitask better i feel like you multitask well way better than i do i'm like i can only do one thing at a time that is in my routine and mm-hmm. if i deviate at all it's it's all cause loss yeah um and i i think our setup is pretty typical especially with like using all the websites and stuff it's usually the male half of the couple that's doing handling the negotiations um and so I, I think that's fairly typical. Um, we don't do a lot of texting back and forth. We do do some messaging, but it usually doesn't turn into like a, a rapid fire kind of back and forth sharing, you know, photos and that sort of thing. Well, we also don't do uh, many like local couple dates. Yeah. I think yeah. that that could change if we decide to do that. Yeah, if we, like, if we like, decide to, to go that direction, which we might. The other part is like... You know, having texts come in at work. Yeah, I know. It's like I got stuff to do. You know, when I'm at, when I'm at work, it's like, like I can't afraid. be like you're like yeah. afraid to open. It. Yeah, afraid to afraid to open it. Um, and I, and I don't want to be distracted. You know, I have so many distractions already. I need to put those in a pile and then deal with them. You know, when I'm when I can deal with them and not not otherwise distracted. That's true. So I think that text messages is not one for us right now, but maybe different time. Yeah, maybe, maybe at some point. What have we learned about insecurity? And I guess we talked about this um, already a little bit, but we do have a couple of topics. I think one thing that I was initially having a lot of hangups about is seeing you like get really excited about new partner. Yeah, and I think that that happens to everybody. And then I would go home and I would say, well, you know me so well there's no way for you to get so excited about being with me, right? And your display of excitement was like a negative experience for me. And then I kind of checked in with that. And, you know, over time, I think I got more comfortable because I also realized I display my level of excitement differently. Mm -hmm. Because with a new partner, 
you have to display more. Mm-hmm. You have to yeah, absolutely. communicate to them that what they're doing, you're really liking. Yeah. And you want them to continue versus with us, I, you know, I can tense and you'll know exactly what is happening. Yeah. Well, the other thing, especially like when, when you're still kind of in the conversational stage, you know, my reactions to things and how I feel about things. And, you know, if, if I go up to a new partner and I treat them the same way I treat you with us interacting every day together in a certain way, if I interact in that way with them, they may get the wrong idea. Like, oh, maybe he's not interested. Well, one of our good friends said, you guys have like a military style communication. Do you guys know that? And we're like, oh, he said, he, he's a, one of our good vanilla friends is, uh, was uh, a former military and he says you guys sound like special forces guys you're like we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and then if that doesn't work we're gonna do this yeah and we are like you know we'll like close the loop like yes i got it i will do this yeah and very like <laughs> rapid fire like short like we were out and about just making decisions about where we were gonna go and we don't dilly dally we don't you yeah. know we don't yeah. talk about we come up with a plan we come with a backup plan yep yeah. And it's like, you know... We, we consider the ups and the downs. Yeah, like three minutes later, we had a whole conversation about planning like a t- two-day weekend. Yeah. And so he was like, what? Who communicates like that? Yeah, well, apparently we do. Yeah, so I think if you communicate like that with a new couple, I guess that would work if they were in the military. Yeah, I, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> um, if, if they're kind of on your same wavelength. But really, if, if you're trying to entice a new partner... Um, that's going to be a different communication style and a different level of energy than it is communicating with your spouse. Exactly. And same with like during a swap, right? Like you're with a new partner, you're interacting, you're, you're displaying, you're Mm -hmm. explaining, you have to be very interactive. Mm -hmm. So that when I looked at what I'm doing myself during the swaps, Mm -hmm. I realized I'm doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Th- right, right. You have to, you know, if you're with a new partner, you have to direct that partner, right? So you might make more oohs and ahs and that sort of thing than you would with your own partner. Because your own partner, one, knows what you like and is already doing exactly what you want them to do without any direction. But they also don't need those verbal cues that you're enjoying something or not enjoying something because they they can they can tell without those verbal cues, right? They know you well enough that they can judge your responses without having to be cued. And it's not that you're more excited necessarily with a new partner than you are with your spouse. It's that, you know, you kind of need to direct that person a little bit, you know? The other thing I realized is we're conditioned at home to be very quiet. Right, yeah. (laughs) Because we have kids down the hole. Right. And so I also kind of looked back and said, hold on, interactions we have in the hotel room are also different. So they're... There is actually a lot less difference than I was, I think, thinking in my mind. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I was like, there's, you know, this this kind of, oh my gosh, I'm a boring wife now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this new new partner is like very, very exciting. And, and, you know, I don't know, just the process of thinking about it and understanding, just asking myself, like, what is, ha- what is actually happening? I think that I have gotten to a really comfortable point where it's like now when you enjoy yourself i'm like perfect yeah and when you see when you see your partner saying something or doing something that they're that they don't normally do with you it's not really a slight against you it doesn't mean that they like this new person they don't like you anymore or anything like that 
Yeah, the um, other p- piece that I realized is if the new partner is doing something new that you like that we nor- normally don't do, I could always ask for that. Yeah, we can we can work that in. Yeah. Um, which yeah. flows directly into our, our last point in this section, which is enjoying seeing your partner happy and exploring and not worried about losing them. Yeah, that's that's basically, that was my whole ordeal that I just thought, okay, so now... If- he moaned just a little bit louder... <laughs> When she brushed his ears, so that means he's gone to me forever. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, basically, I had to be vulnerable, admit it to myself. I'm like, that is the conclusion that I just drew in my mind. And I just kind of looked at that and I was like, I can't believe that. Yeah, like our, our 14-year relationship, two kids, house in the suburbs, gone. Yep. Gone yep, yep. instantly in that moment, which is not the case, if, if not obvious. And it's all about enjoyment, right? So... Really, you want to see your partner enjoying themselves. That's that's the whole name of the game, and we're a team, right? So we help our, each other get into those experiences where the our partner does enjoy themselves. Yeah, and I don't know how I eventually got to the point where I feel just so much trust and comfort that, like, when you're enjoying yourself, I can relax and like this is great, and then I focus on what I'm doing. And I'm enjoying myself. And so I think that, I don't know, at some point it was like a, I don't know, a switch. Mm-hmm. I think enough of, some of the stuff is basically exposing yourself to this scenario, right? And like the fear pops up in your mind. And then you expose yourself to that again. And that worst case scenario does not happen, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like we, we're together, we're doing better. And... Mm-hmm. You realize no lifestyle is enriching your relationship. It's not taking anything away. And by process of just that experience, I think, over and over again, you get to just kind of realize that that, like my mind is not, was not correctly estimating the outcome. Yeah. I think at the beginning, you start in this situation where, oh, the other person is doing X thing for my partner. And they're really enjoying that. And I can never do that for them. And, you know, you're, you feel all down on yourself. And then you progress via experience to a point where it's your job. It's my job to help my partner get those new and unique and excellent experiences, right? That's like as a supportive partner, my goal is to get her those awesome or him those awesome moments, right? Yeah, you know, I feel like you've always been on the lookout for good experiences for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's... Yeah, well, I I mean, it didn't always start that way, right? Like, in the beginning, I was like, oh, you know, I kind of wanted something good, but not too good, you know? (laughs) So your your security has improved as well. Oh, of of course. And, you know, it's progressed to the point where now I'm pretty comfortable in most of those situations where I'm I'm really, like, trying to make sure that you have the best experience possible. And if you're enjoying yourself, then I've done my job, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the behind the scenes work. I don't quite, I'm not quite aware of it at the, at the moment, maybe. Oh, I'm sure you're aware of it. I'm sure you're aware that I put in the footwork to make sure you have good experiences. Yeah, and, and the moment just feels organic. It just Sometimes feels... it's organic. Sometimes it's orchestrated. Is it? Well, it's, it's... that's true. That's yeah. true. You did yeah. orchestrate a very nice experience. For, exactly. For me, that's true. Speaking of orchestrating, we didn't orchestrate anything on this cruise. So um, greedy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for now. But why, I d- husband, why didn't you orchestrate me a mind-blowing experience this time? 
No, it did. I, I boarded the boat and I said, this one is for you because you, you, you hooked me up last time. Yeah. So you can relax. You can just, just do whatever you want. That's true. But did it feel more relaxing that you didn't have to worry about kind of fulfilling a fantasy? Well, um, I don't know about that. There's still fantasies on the list that I need to worry about orchestrating. Um, so I'm not sure I was relaxed from that particular perspective, but... Oh, you're so, so you're like on the always for a lookout for orchestrating something for your wife. <laughs> I suppose so. I suppose you're so. Always. We, we got to check off those boxes, right? Oh, I the see. The boxes on the, on the fuck it list we need to... <laughs> I, I feel like I, I have nothing to orchestrate for you. You got to give me something. Yeah, we'll figure something out. <laughs> All right. What have we learned about experience? And number one, we said accepting mixed success. Oh, yeah. That, you know, life is a box of chocolates. And when you go into lifestyle, you just can't expect it all to be like your favorite chocolates. Yeah. You're going to have some ups. You're going to have some downs. And you're going to work through it. You're going to have some awesome encounters. You're going to have some not great encounters where maybe things happen that you didn't anticipate and that you didn't particularly like. You know, what's hard is, um, if your not awesome experiences are back to back. So if you yeah. have a couple of not awesome experiences, some people will kind of say, Oh, something's wrong with me. Maybe I can't do this, etc." Um, so I think that it just, it's really is like a mixed bag. So you, mm -hmm. you're over time, you're going to, have this nice mix of really fun experiences mm -hmm. and something that brought up some insecurity that you had to work through, mm -hmm. you know, something that didn't go according to plan. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, just accept it that there's no, there's no like way to get perfect everything mm -hmm. at all times. And then the next point we had was asymmetric encounters, which I guess is a, is a follow on to that last one. Encounters can be asymmetric in a lot of ways, right? Like maybe maybe your spouse is attracted more to their spouse than you are than you are to theirs. Um, yeah, that's basically like the taking one for the team, or or maybe you you have an encounter and one one person has a really good experience and the other person has a so so experience. Yeah, yeah. I th I think that the one that that I would say is kind of feels different, but kind of under the same category with can feel asymmetric is let's say your partner has a kink that they like, right? And mm -hmm. you're kind of like, hmm, I don't mind it. And so let's say your partner has a kink mm -hmm. and you kind of go into an encounter that you anticipate does not do much for you, but does a lot for your partner. Mm -hmm. And you really want that specific itch being scratched sure. for your partner. Mm -hmm. um, so you could go into asymmetric type of encounter with the right mind. Mm -hmm. Not always by accident. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything else we want to say about ending up in those asymmetric encounters? I guess, I guess one thing I would say is sometimes you have the two, your spouse and the other spouse has a really energetic interaction. They seem to be pretty into each other, but then you and the other spouse are maybe not having as much of an energetic kind of encounter, like it's particularly during the conversation phase. Yeah, like if that four-way chemistry mm -hmm. that uh, everyone talks about. You know, when it happens, it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, that that's like gold, like yeah. if, if you manage to happen. But I would say, I would say that's not that frequent I would, no. I would say maybe like in our usual like if you take our whole lifestyle experience 
I don't know what you would say, like maybe a half, a little yeah. over half when it, it happens to be like a really nice four-way chemistry mm-hmm. and their other half is just, just there's just a little asymmetry, you know, mm-hmm. like where there's just a little difference in energy. Yeah, and part of that is when you approach a couple, the couple between them may not have similar communication styles or energy levels, right? Like one might be an extrovert and the other one might be an introvert. And with the introvert, you might think, oh, like maybe they're not interested. Maybe they're not as excited, but maybe they are and they're just introverts and maybe they're just a little quieter and and less, you know, socially engaging Mm -hmm. just normally. Maybe they're just as interested or more interested than their partner is. And you really have no way of knowing. Yeah, we're going to do a separate episode on introversion and extroversion and how to manage your energy mm-hmm. uh, as an introvert, mm-hmm. like during, you know, a cruise or during, let's say, a three-day takeover where you need to have your social energy just kind of last and enough to exactly communicate to the other partner that, hey, I'm interested. I'm just low on social energy right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that that's coming up. Let's see, um, debriefing. So some things that we've learned about debriefing, so we touched on it already, but the the real reason why you want to debrief is like part of the reconnecting. Mm-hmm. So reconnecting, people I think a lot of times will talk about like the sex right after, mm-hmm. like that can be very reconnecting, but I think mm-hmm. sex and talking is like just right. That's on, on point for you. That yeah. makes wife happy. I, I, I think they're both important to uh, emotionally and physically uh, reconnect after an encounter. And of course, you know, the debriefing and making sure you touch all of the points that you need to touch after an encounter, right? You don't want to let things linger too much. And you, make, you want to make sure you get everything sorted out between the two of you. You know, you don't want uh, an issue to continue to linger, particularly across multiple encounters without, without debriefing. I think that's pretty important. Yeah. I'd be curious about how couples like communicate afterwards, like mm. a couple of days later. We usually communicate, I feel like, after we eat. Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll usually eat and then talk. Mm-hmm. And that's like our routine yeah. now. Yeah. So I, th- I think there, the reason that the cruise was so smooth was because we've figured out all these little quirks. Mm-hmm. And are now basically benefiting from it. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just the the benefit of experience. That's true. No substitute for experience. Yeah, no substitute for experience, which I think is the the name of the game as far as this uh, episode is concerned. You know, get out there, get some experience, share your share your thoughts with your partner, and grow stronger as a couple because of it. Yeah. Well, that's it for our episode 18, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Yep, see you guys in the next episode. You can email us at thoughtsandperspectives at gmail.com. And you can reach us on Twitter at, at thoughtsandpodcast.